What's up, everybody? Pat Flynn here, and welcome to episode 1089 of Ask Pat 2.0. You're about to listen to a coaching call between myself and an entrepreneur just like you, and I'm gonna help them out through some problems, some challenges, and hopefully by listening to this, you'll be better off as a result of listening to this episode. And if you haven't yet subscribed to the uh, Ask Pat podcast, that'd be amazing. Just hit subscribe on the podcast app you're listening to right now, or if you're listening on the website, obviously look up Ask Pat anywhere you listen to podcasts. But who are we talking to today? We're talking to Dr. Gandalf. Yes, that's actually what he is known as. It's not his real name. His real name is Dr. Hussein Gandhi. But somebody in his profession told him a while back that he was going to call him Dr. Gandalf, and that's been his name. And now he's building a tribe of people, general practitioners, GPs over in the UK, and he's helping to serve that audience. And he's helping them through helping them understand and be familiar with and not fear technology and a lot of the things that are coming out in the sort of medical world that a lot of people are scared of, are unaware of, or just don't know even how to get started to wrap their head around these things. And this is what Dr. Gandalf does. And he's built a community and he has a podcast and a Facebook group. And we're going to talk all about those things because he does not have any extra time whatsoever, but he wants to grow the community. He wants to serve his community. And that's what we're going to talk about today. And those of you who may not have a ton of time, you're going to look at and pay careful attention to how I ask certain questions to understand, okay, well, if that's not the case, let's unlock the next idea. And if that's not a possibility, let's unlock the next idea. And these are like stages or phases in the sort of time management process that I take Dr. Gandalf through. So here he is, Dr. Gandalf. Hussein, welcome to Ask Pat 2.0. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Pat. I'm excited to learn more about you and how I can help you. So why don't you help us a little bit by telling us a little about yourself and what you do? Sure. So um, I'm a general practitioner or GP as we call them in the UK. And that's, I guess, the equivalent to a family practitioner that you guys have in the States and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, slight difference being that a GP will see about 90% of healthcare in the UK. So pretty much if you need to see a doctor, you typically end up seeing me. I work in Nottingham. Um, so that's Robin Hood country. And I work in an inner city area, so quite a deprived area of Nottingham, just outside from the town centre and stuff. Lots of challenges that come with that. I also train other people to become GPs. And I have an absolute love of tech that's kind of followed me since I started my training and that kind of thing. And as a result of that, I created a platform, as I like to call it, called eGP Learning, which is designed to try and help GPs use tech better, both either for themselves or more importantly, to help with their patients and the workload and all the other kind of things to basically make healthcare a lot easier. And I've been doing that for about 10 years now um, and growing slowly a lot in thanks to yourself in terms of what I've learned from listening to you and trying to make it a lot better and a lot more effective. That's awesome. Well, congrats on getting started and going. Uh, I'd love to know sort of what's on your mind with your business right now. Sure. So um, I've only started going down the business kind of route with eGP Learning for about the past two and a half years. So it was around about the time actually my daughter was born and I kind of realized that I wanted to do a little bit more with it in terms of making it a bit more effective, making it more useful, because at that time it was just simply a website that kind of helped GPs find resources and that kind of stuff, which was OK. Mm -hmm. But I kind of felt for me it wasn't doing anything really effective because I kind of knew it all and I was kind of sharing, wanting to share that kind of stuff with my colleagues. And I came across loads of GPs around about that time saying, oh, never heard of that. That sounds amazing. That would make my life so much easier. So I kind of thought, let's share this as best we can. So that's kind of when I started pushing more along the lines of 
social media, um, and then eventually started a podcast, which is called the EGP Learning Pod Blast, which I do with one of my colleagues. And we talk to people basically about how to use different types of tech a bit more effectively. So new kind of things like AI and um, digital assistance. We've done episodes on video consultations, that kind of stuff, just showing people that actually the tech isn't that scary and it can help you a lot better. Yeah. And you, um, you likely haven't had a shortage of topics to talk about in the recent years. Is that true? No, it's definitely a growing area. And actually, particularly in the UK, it's a massive thing they're trying to expand as well because of, like many areas, there's huge problems with um, demand and, you know, people obviously with growing health problems and that kind of stuff and the capacity to try and deal with all of that. Mm -hmm. So there is this view that tech can help, but at the same time, tech can, has to be used safely and effectively and sensibly as well and, and trying to navigate that. It clearly gets complicated at times. So I'm hoping that I'm here to try and help people do that. So yeah, past couple of years started to grow a little bit better um, and my groups started to grow in terms of I have a, a Facebook group that people can, you know, pitch into. Um, I guess I don't see a lot of engagement in that group and that's one thing I'm trying to improve. I was hoping I'd get some tips from yourself of how to do that specifically. And I guess my biggest challenge is that it's such a micro niche that I talk to deal with. So if you think about the number of GPs in the UK is approximately 50,000. Those that have an interest or want to learn more about about tech is probably only about 10 to 20% of that that seriously want to get into it. Right. And then obviously capturing them, you know, that, that, that's a small population I'm after effectively. I'm trying to broaden it slightly by incorporating all of primary care. So, you know, nurses, physiotherapists, pharmacists, you know, trying to make it a little bit bigger. But my target group is clearly GPs because that's the group I can speak to a lot more clearly. And some of the things that we have to do are kind of unique to GPs themselves. So trying to figure that part out. So growing that micro niche effectively. And then my second challenge is trying to do that whilst doing everything else, because I have, unfortunately, a lot of hats that I wear, um, particularly in terms of being a GP. And I don't want to spend less time with my patients because that kind of grounds me in terms of being able to do a lot of this kind of stuff and understanding what works, what doesn't work and that kind of stuff. So fitting it all in is a real challenge. Yeah, on that last note, let's talk about that really quick. So obviously, you don't want to take yourself away from your patients, but are there any mm -hmm. other kinds of work that you do that aren't patient direct related that you could perhaps hand off or start seeing how you might be able to optimize? So something I'm constantly trying to improve on in my own practice. So we're looking at ways that, you know, I can try and do less of the administrative stuff for yeah. patients. That's a bit of a challenge and it's a slow growing kind of thing, partly because of safety. There's a huge, obviously, emphasis on making sure that everything is safe. And unfortunately, that has the habit of meaning that it goes straight to the top for it to be as safe as possible. Uh, and therefore, that normally means it comes to my desk um, and stuff. But definitely working on trying to do that takes a bit of time. I work in a group practice, so it's not unilateral decisions I can make as a, you know, it's a practice-based decision. And, you know, changing practice for me is definitely not something I'm interested in. I, I love where I work, I love the people I work with and stuff. So whilst it's improving, that's a slow improvement. Yep. I guess in terms of other kind of roles I have, unfortunately, I do have a lot and some of them are partly by choice. Some of them are by necessity and they do eat into my time quite a bit. But I'm trying to improve some of that. And one tip I've taken from some of your stuff um, recently is looking into the possibility of having um, a VA to hand off some of the stuff I'm doing with and, and try and make that process part of things a little bit easier for me. Yeah, the VA will help, especially for some of the stuff that doesn't require your constant overview and, mm -hmm. and decision making. So wherever that's possible, definitely explore that. But I completely understand about you wanting to sort of remain in control of a lot of these things, especially because it's health related. And sometimes there's just no possibility of us handing things off. And we don't want to force that when it's not something that's possible. So the second phase of looking for sort of having the time to grow other things outside of those things is just making sure that you are very diligent with 
your schedule and your time and honoring that time for the other work outside of your direct GP work to build your business? How are you doing with finding time to do these extra things? Is that in a regular schedule? I'm curious to know sort of lifestyle wise, how does this stuff, the podcast and the Facebook group, et cetera, fit into things on top of the other important things that you have going on? Yeah. So um, recognizing this was going to be a challenge, I actually took a slight step back away from practice. So I used to work effectively what we call seven sessions. So that's um, three and a half days in practice, mm-hmm. although I probably still pull about 55 hours at my practice despite that um, week. And I kind of dropped down to what we would call six sessions. So um, I now I'm still in the same number of days, bizarrely, but I do a little bit less in terms of clinical commitment. And that has meant that I now have kind of Wednesday mornings for me to focus on the on the podcast, on, you know, the other kind of things I'm trying to do with the EGP learning stuff. So um, at the moment, I'm trying to write um, actually a course for how um, practices and GPs can use Twitter to engage with patients a little bit more effectively to improve the way that their practice works and stuff. Right. I'm trying to develop that. So Wednesday mornings is kind of like now my set time for doing that. So I do have that, which is good. Trying to protect that is real challenge um, (laughs) because my my, my other roles love to come into it. And part of those other roles are family as well. So I've kind of realized in order for that to work, I can't do that at home, which is what I used to do. So I'm now looking at trying to find some place that I can do that a bit more effectively because I think my practice also doesn't quite work because I inevitably got a knock on the door to ask about things if I'm here as well. So yeah, hoping that helps to allow me to do that. Automating things, I'm always looking at how I can improve that side of things, um, uh, particularly the social media side of things and the marketing. Um, and, and yeah, like I said, that's where I guess I'm trying to look down the VA kind of route as well in right. particular. Right. You know, first of all, just for initial impressions, uh, Hussein, I'm very, very impressed. I get a good feeling that you know what's going on in your life. You're organizing things, you're honoring time, you are figuring out when you could do all the things that you need to do. And it seems to be it doesn't seem like things are falling apart. It seems like you are on top of it. However, you want to grow and you're just looking for strategies for more engagement. But in terms of finding time, you're doing the best you can. Is that is that a good assessment? Yeah, I guess at times it definitely feels like that's probably not the case. Um, so, you know, I have the odd day where it just seems like there's just never enough time in the day. And, and I guess everybody feels out of points. Um, yep. I want to try and protect my time with my kids, I guess, is the key thing. And, and I'm just aware that, unfortunately, sometimes I don't manage to do that as well as I could do. So I'm still having to work occasionally at night and that kind of thing when they've gone to bed. And, and that and that would be nice not to do that. But I think, like you said, it's getting slightly better. I've just got to, partly, I know I have to learn to say no to certain things, which is a very difficult lesson and a difficult thing to do. And actually, one of the things I teach people to do probably a lot better than I do myself. <laughs> Yeah, saying no is tough, especially when there's a lot of opportunities and a lot of different strategies in your business and and whatnot. The fact that you have time, but not a ton of it, means that the best way to grow, the best way to sort of move forward more quickly is to make sure that the things you are working on are the things that are going to move the needle, right? So prioritization of your work and understanding, okay, well, what are the dominoes that you can sort of knock over first that are going to help knock over all the other dominoes after that? And so I'm curious to know your process for determining, okay, well, what, what is important and what goes into that small amount of time that I do have to work? So that, 
time I have, I try and create my content. So every week I try and get out a, um, a video that I then automatically turn into a podcast by recording the audio. Nice. I'd love to do it better where I have a dedicated podcast and I do with my colleagues so that we have two parts to it. There's the, the pod blast that me and him record and that's specifically done with a view for the, the podcast, but we have started videoing them as an extra kind of thing. But the weekly one that I do is more like a video that I then turn into an audio file to be used as the podcast. And I do do a little bit of editing to make it more podcast friendly kind of thing. That takes up most of the, the Wednesday morning, though, if I'm being honest. And I've tried to even go down the route of batch creating. Problem I have is that some of the stuff tends to be topical yep. and trying to keep on top of that topical stuff means that it makes it not work as well as I'd like in terms of batch processing and stuff. It has to happen in real time almost. Not Yeah, normally about a couple of weeks behind. Trying to move towards content, that means I don't have to do that Mm -hmm. so that I can try and focus on it. Because I have found when I was able to do two, three, go you know sessions in a go it made my life so much easier and i got more headspace time to do the writing and the course stuff and, and that kind of thing it's just trying to maintain that's been a real challenge and, and the hamster wheel I, I do sometimes feel i get kind of stuck into that i think in terms of the content that you're creating maybe it could be a mix of and just being a little bit more proactive with scheduling you know a week of something real time and then a, the, the next uh, episode right after that that you can record can be something that's more evergreen uh and then mm-hmm. you can have more batches that way but this course that you are thinking of creating, which I think is very smart, beyond the Wednesday morning that you have with the content, where are you seeing that fitting into your schedule, if anywhere? So I started listening to Hal Elrod a couple of months ago miracle and morning, started yeah. trying to do the whole miracle morning thing. <laughs> kind of went all right for a bit and then not so well. Um, and now I'm starting to get back into it. Okay. Um, I'm probably not as much as a morning person as I thought I was, but I have managed to carve out about half an hour every morning that I've started to spend doing some stuff. Fortunately, some of my other roles have a habit of creeping into it, but I managed to do probably one day out of the week where I'm able to spend a little bit of time on the on, on the platform, kind of on the EGP learning stuff. So it's better than what it was because I'd go months without doing something before, right. whereas now it's just a very slow trickle. I'd probably chipping say. away at it at this point. So that's good that you, you, you're doing what you need to do. What I would recommend is to continue doing what you're doing, knowing that you are chipping away at it. I think that's key. But I do want to go back to something that you said earlier related to the Facebook group and engagement. I'm curious, what are your ultimate goals here? And then I can give you some uh, strategies and advice that have worked for me in my Facebook group and I've shared with other people as well. But I just want to make sure that we know that the things that we are doing are related Mm -hmm. to where you want to go. So where do you want to go? So I want to be able to help my peers a lot more effectively. Um, And I think I'm starting to see that a little bit. So I've been going to some recent um, kind of GP conferences and stuff and and kind of getting amazingly some a little bit of recognition for some of the stuff I've been doing, which I hadn't seen for a while. I had a weird situation where someone came up to me and said, you're Dr. Gandalf. And I was like, uh, yeah, hi. Uh, and kind of, it took me a second to realize that he was talking about me because um, my kind of thing on there is that I'm Dr. Gandalf. I'm, I'm a, as well as being a GP. I, I love you know geeky stuff like crazy. If anyone ever sees my avatar, that they'll notice that. Yeah, um, all, and your last uh, name is actually Gandalf. Yeah, well, so my surname is Gandhi, which kind of got sidelined into Gandalf by one of my um, uh, bosses when I was training. He kind of called me the magical doctor, and then it kind of went from there to Dr. Gandalf. I love that. And, and now your audience Lord of the knows you as that. That's, that's fantastic. Yeah, and, and, and yeah, Twitter handle, that kind of So I kind of embraced it after that, and, and it's kind of defined me, to be, to be fair. 
yes, some of that recognition has helped. And that's kind of helped me so that I can help people with this kind of stuff, because a lot of people see tech in healthcare a little bit magical as well. And, mm. and you know, sometimes you just need a bit of magic to get the computer to work as well. But I guess I'd love to be able to do more around that niche area, because I do see that as being my, my kind of my forte, you know, the health tech, the social media use for, for clinicians and, and that kind of stuff, particularly in the UK, because no one else really does that and trying to develop that. From a business point of view, I'd like it to be that it just pays at least for my time to do that so then I can keep doing it. Mindful of the fact that I'm having to obviously, you know, I, I, clearly I could earn a hell of a lot more by doing GP work and medical work and that kind of stuff, which is okay, I guess, but that's not why I want to do it. I just want to have it so that at least it pays for the system and, and you know, the, all the, the hosting and all that kind of stuff. And then at least a little bit for my time so I don't feel as guilty not being with my patients and the other stuff. So supporting the work itself with with income that comes in to just keep that m- machine going. But most yeah. of all, it is wanting to help and serve your audience and, and com- communicate with them and help them out. And I think that going back to your initial question about Facebook group, I mean, that's a perfect place to connect and help out in real time and also engage with your audience so that they can become fans and continue listening to the show and spread the word. And I mean, Facebook groups are, are really in right now. Communities are in. And I think that focusing on there for that direct engagement is fantastic. There's a couple strategies that were mentioned in a previous AskPad episode that I just recorded that could play a very good role here with you as well. You know, one thing that this person that I spoke to is doing that's working really well for her is she's going live on Facebook. And we had discussed some strategies related to how that relates to her podcast. So since you have a podcast Mm -hmm. already, you can kind of have both kind of dance with each other really well. So some ideas are, so for example, you could go live on Facebook before you record a podcast to talk and engage with your audience about the topics that you're going to discuss on the show, ask people what immediate questions they might have that you can then address on the podcast. And then you can just Mm -hmm. cut it off right before the show and say, hey guys, we're going to go and record this now, but this episode will go live, you know, on this date. So look out for it. And on your show, specifically, you can even mention some of your community members' names. Oh, like here's a question from, uh, you know, Dr. Jones, who asked about this thing. So here's our thoughts about it. And that just makes, even though you're only mentioning one person's name, the fact that, I mean, they kind of represent everybody else in your community. They feel good that they're getting Mm -hmm. recognition, they're getting spoken to. So that's, that's one idea to go live on Facebook and just communicate before you go live on the show. Another thing that that you could do to go a little bit further is you could interact with them beforehand, but then keep the camera rolling while you and your partner are focused on recording the episode so that your people who are there, Mm -hmm. they get sort of a behind the scenes and that makes them feel good. It makes them feel like, you know, you're really there. And of course, we all love to know how things work. So we're very curious about that. And it just makes us feel very special and more tied to that particular brand as a result of that. And those people who are there watching live almost get a early glimpse and and a sneak peek peak sort of view, which mm. then people talk about, they can, they can remember, uh, they can share those things. So those are some cool things that you could do with the Facebook because you have a podcast. I think some other things that you might be able to do on a Facebook group specifically that I think is very smart is highlighting questions from certain members or success stories from certain members. So there's this thing that I've been teaching a lot of people about, which is like, you don't want to try and just always be the front man. Like, yes, you are the brand and you have this amazing brand name and connection, but oftentimes Mm -hmm. celebrating the wins of your community goes a very long way as well because those people can relate more. So perhaps pulling out a story of somebody who was just technologically 
like dumb and showing how they've been able to, to embrace technology in a certain way and telling their story about how that's been able to help their patients can help others who are also scared, just like that person, get interested and excited and, and you know, pull those stories, bring them on your show as well. It just becomes such a great thing to getting that community going because when you get the community talking to not just you, but talking to each other and, and celebrating each other, that's mm-hmm. when people start to help each other more. And, you know, it's not just you as the helper, it's your community that can all help each other too. Yeah. For me, I think the challenge has been trying to get my community to talk to each other. That, that's probably been the biggest challenge with my Facebook group for the YouTube lane because I, I do accept a lot of it is just me posting in the group and I get the odd kind of comments and stuff. Yeah. So, so engagement in that particular group is not so great. I do run another one that's more specifically around the computer system we use. That one's got tons of engagement. So people chat to each other and that kind of stuff. So I think maybe focusing on that one might work a lot better with what some of the things you're talking about because they kind of have that engagement and then those those wins that people are seeing supported by the the kind of group i think that would work actually really really well i'm quite excited about that well let's continue to talk about this other group that maybe needs a little bit of a kickstart to get people to start talking i think one thing that you could do is i don't know how often you're asking them questions so basically giving them permission to engage versus you just posting something and, and leaving it at that oftentimes you need to ask for people to to speak up. Are you doing any of that or is it mostly just you posting? So originally it was mostly just me posting and mostly me posting the stuff like, you know, this is the tip Thursday for this week. You know, what do you guys think? Um, the past month or so I've started doing that a bit Great. more in terms of asking them. So every Monday, if I know what I'm going to try and be doing for that Wednesday, mm-hmm. I can ask questions around that topic. So a recent one was about video consultations, and the evidence behind it. So I was asking people in the group, do you know the evidence? What do you think about video Perfect. consultations? And then, you know, people had a poll with that and, and people started saying yes, no kind of thing. They'd never consider using it. And then trying to tackle their perception on the evidence. And then the video that Thursday was about the evidence and that was from a professor to, who kind of had looked at it in detail and, and all that kind of stuff and she went through what, why they're good why they're not good that kind of stuff and that yeah no actually that's been one of probably my most popular posts of the past couple of months as a result of that definitely seeing that that asking the group about what they think beforehand seems to be working better and I'm thinking of doing that a little bit earlier so rather than doing it on the Mondays doing it on the Saturdays to give it a bit more time to to burn in effectively. Yeah, and then you can reference those things on your show, which will Mm -hmm. then encourage more people to start participating and speaking up. So that's great. Well done on that. I would continue to sort of stay in that lane. I think another thing to think about is that oftentimes it's the things that are more polarizing, not to say that you want to stir up controversy. However, there Mm -hmm. is something to be said for bringing up topics and asking questions about the things where there is a very clear sort of you're in one camp or the other, because then that gets people to discuss. Those are the reasons why We see a lot on Facebook, for example, a lot of political conversation, right? Because people are so on one side Mm -hmm. or the other and they really believe something. So they are more inclined to start writing about it, supporting it, defending themselves. And obviously you are there as a moderator to help make sure nobody gets crazy and and, and likely they won't even get to that point because we're not talking about politics. But the classic example that you just shared with, you know, is this good or bad? And then people will have their opinions and then start to share. And, you know, that's great for engagement. And of course, the more often that people engage, the more often they're going to see new conversations that are happening that they haven't even been a part of yet show up in their feed. And, and that's really cool. So and, and, and then finally, 
the last strategy is to have a consistent sort of, and it sounds like you're doing this already, but this is obviously for everybody listening as well, to have specific days where you ask, you know, specific kinds of questions where people can expect to see sort of a regular recurring thing every week. So one thing that I do in my Facebook group is every Friday, we allow people to sort of, you know, everybody's a business owner or creating something. We allow them to share what they're up to. And so Mm -hmm. we have a post that says, hey, free for all Friday, share, and it just goes gangbusters, right? And even though it's just a mess of comments, each comment that a person makes is allowing them for more likely to see the new comments that are coming in the middle of the week. So very easy things like that. So one thing you could do is like, hey, you know, tell us where in the world you're from. Or maybe another question might be, you know, what's one reason why you got into this practice in the first place? And then you're going to start to see people share a little bit about their story, who they are, and then that'll encourage more people. So little things like that, which aren't necessarily tied directly to the purpose of, of the group itself. It's for the purpose of community to have people and and give people permission to share things like that. Cool. Yeah. So I think definitely going wider will will help. And um, yeah, I have kind of seen that, like I said, with some of the stuff I've started doing, I think going a bit broader, like you said, outside of health tech, probably you're right. It it may get a bit more engagement from uh, particularly some of the members that have been a bit quiet and a bit more of the lurkers and stuff. So yeah, definitely going to start using that tactic. And I think with people in that group in particular, like I would imagine somebody who is very scared about tech, who's in there because they're just curious, they don't want to look dumb. They they don't want to speak up because they don't want to say something wrong, right? And um, they just are so new to it. And so I think that questions like that allow people, I mean, there's no wrong answer to where are you from? There's no wrong answer to why did you get into this in the first place? And so those kinds of questions can just get people familiar with a group such that they're going to start to feel more comfortable and hopefully be a little bit more engaging in the future. So I think the biggest thing, because these are great strategies to to get that community involvement, which then will allow you to communicate with them more and better help them, which is your ultimate goal. I think in terms of supporting your work, this course is going to be a a, a momentous moment for you and just chipping away at it as much as possible. Also realizing that courses don't need to have a ton of information to be helpful. I think that uh, oftentimes people hear a course and they go, okay, the more the merrier, the the more stuff that's in there, the better the course is. And that's not always true. So whatever you can do to create the, the MVP, the minimum viable product to still be helpful, still achieve the goal of helping people, that's what you want to start with. And you can always add more things later, but uh, that's going to sort of fast forward your um, sort of income generation from this. And then also, you know, I think another opportunity would be to, with these companies that you might be talking about on your show and in your groups, forming partnerships with them. If, if you haven't already, there's potentially some affiliate opportunities or lead generation opportunities where, you know, if, if you talk about technology and you have this partnership, you know, they might pay you X number of dollars for every new, uh, you know, doctor that you send their way. Uh, and mm-hmm. I'm not sure if you're doing that already, but there's, there's largely a lot of opportunity for you to do something like that. Yeah, I've started a little bit with that with some of the things that I've uh, reviewed. Um, like, like you said, um, and I think one of the things you mentioned quite often, it has to be something you trust to use Absolutely. kind of thing before you can go down that route. And I know particularly when it comes to some of these companies, trust is a massive, massive issue, both for myself and for, for my listeners and stuff. Um, so that side of things has been a bit more challenging. But I think in terms of the the physical tech that we use, um, some of that, yeah, really loved and, and definitely already recommending. And, and a couple of those I do have kind of affiliates, mainly mainly through things like Amazon and that kind of stuff. Sure. But um, yeah, easily something I can look into a lot more. And then because you're so niche in your space, this allows you to often 
cut through a lot of the noise to get to those product owners. They often are looking for ways to grow. And by you having a show of GPs, that's very attractive to a lot of uh, companies, especially startups, right? So this Mm -hmm. also gives you an opportunity to uh, reach out. And because you have a podcast, this is great. You can ask them to, for example, come on your show, which will position you as an authority. It will allow for a better partnership as the conversation happens with that person. And then thirdly, it also builds trust between your audience and that product because it's not your product. They trust you, but they're, like you said, a little doubtful or maybe a little bit weary about the new technology. But when they hear the person and why they created it and you know who they are and understand who it's for, it might help with a little bit more engagement, it, it might help with a little bit more of uh, following through on those call to actions that relate to that product. Okay. Yeah, no, definitely see how I could do that. Cool. So uh, we talked about a lot of things. Maybe what uh, is the one or two action items from this call, uh, if any, uh, hopefully it was helpful for you, um, that you'll kind of implement moving forward, do you think? I like the idea about trying to go live before we do the podcast and stuff. And I think that's one that I can definitely try and arrange with my colleague when we do our joint sessions. Um, I think my individual ones is a bit more tricky because at the time I do it and when my group is most active are completely two separate things, unfortunately. So there's virtually no one there on a Wednesday morning. Um, But yeah, when we, me and my colleague do our joint sessions, that's a bit later in the day. So we, we have a bit more following. So I think that will work really, really well. I'm actually quite excited to recommend that to him that we can do that. The other stuff about working with the kind of companies and the, and the kind of tech providers and that kind of stuff, definitely I'm looking forward to doing that. And I need to get my course done, basically. And I'm hearing that from you that, you know, just stop obsessing with trying to make it perfect. Just get the MVP out there, get it out and see how it goes from there. Yeah. And, and your initial users are going to be uh, excited about being sort of early adopters. And uh, if you allow them to also help shape the course as it progresses over time to what to add, what can be removed, all those kinds of things. It's just going to end up turning into exactly what you need. You're going to have testimonials in there. It'll, it'll be great. So just keep chipping away at that with the time that you have. Keep honoring those times for yourself and, and good luck with the, the miracle morning. I know how hard that is and just keep up the good work. You're, you're doing a great job. Thank you, Pat. And again, so awesome to talk to you. This has been, yeah, amazing. You too. And finally, where can people go and learn more and, and find you? So my platform is egplearning.co.uk and it's the same name for Twitter, Facebook, um, Instagram and definitely YouTube. And the podcast is the EGP Learning Pod Blast. Pod Blast. Love it. Thank you, doctor. I appreciate you and uh, all the best. Thank you, Tafat. All right. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Uh, Dr. Gandalf, you're amazing. Thank you for the tweet that you posted right after this conversation. You had some stuff going on with a computer crash and stuff, yet still made it happen. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. You are amazing. Keep up the great work. And for everybody listening, just keep in mind that you may not have all the time in the world to do the things that you want to do. So number one, make sure you prioritize what it is that you do so you can, like I said, knock over that first domino, which uh, knocks over the next ones. Make sure you uh, read The One Thing if you haven't done so already by Gary Keller and Jay Papasan. But beyond that, also just figuring out, you know, how to honor your schedule and and making time and, and not just saying you're going to do it, but actually doing it. And Dr. Gandalf is chipping away and you can too, even with just one day a week. And he's building a community and doing some great things. Looking forward to the course, Dr. Gandalf. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. I appreciate all of you listeners as well. If you want to get coached on Ask Pat here, just like the episode you just listened to today. All you have to do is go to askpat.com and find the button there on that page to submit your application. 
which does require a little bit of a voicemail. I just want to hear your voice, hear your emotion behind what you're talking about. And then based on that and the order that you come in and just the topic and all the things, I mean, there's a lot of variables. I may reach back out to you and we'll make it happen. And of course, if you haven't yet subscribed to the show, please do that now. And also thank you to everybody who has left a review for Ask Pat. It means the world to me. And I'm looking forward to uh, to those of you who have taken the time to do that and, and, and they haven't been approved yet. Uh, just thank you so much for all the support. I appreciate you. Take care. Looking forward to serving you in the next episode. Until then, you know what to do. Team Flynn for the win. Hey there, thank you for listening to Ask Pat 2.0. Now you might've noticed that we haven't published a new episode in a while. And that is because in 2023, after 1,269 episodes, we decided to sunset the show. For now, at least. And this way, we can focus our energy and efforts on our other podcasts and other projects. That being said, all 1,269 episodes are still live and downloadable, and the published dates may be old, but there are still a ton of questions I've answered on the show and people I've coached. Those episodes are just as valuable as they were back then. So you can also visit smartpassiveincome.com slash askpat to dig through the archives. Plus, there's a search tool on the website that lets you search across our podcasts and blog. And of course, the Smart Passive Income podcast is still live and energetic and awesome and publishing twice a week. So make sure you're subscribed there so we can still continue this conversation. And we have some of the foremost experts and thought leaders in entrepreneurship on the show every single week. So you definitely don't want to miss it. Again, check it out. It's the Smart Passive Income podcast. Just find it wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can find it there as well. Thank you again for listening in and I'll catch you in the next one. Cheers.